Channel Podcast. Next one setting up for Kelly. Bottom drops out. Another chance at the tube. This one's going to spit him out. Wide open section to lay that rail down. Has to recover quickly with the bottom dropping out. And Kelly surviving <laughs> some wild sections at Karama. They call him the greatest surfer of all time, and he's not finished. Well, not quite yet, anyway. At 47 years old, Kelly Slater accepts there's not too much longer that the 11-time world champion can continue to compete on the tour. Almost 30 years ago, his career started, and he wants to finish it at Tokyo 2020, where surfing will be at the Olympic Games for the very first time. If he doesn't make it to Tokyo to represent USA, well then, who knows? Maybe he will retire finally. Maybe he won't. So we decided to send Ashley Tullock to investigate that very question and find out how he's kept his motivation across a career where he's gone from rookie to legend. Let's have some fun. Olympic Channel Podcast. Well, first of all, thank you for your time. I know you're a busy man. Um, as you get older, no matter what age you are, you kind of see life differently and things happen in your life, whether you like it or not, and mm. it allows you to sort of see things differently. Yeah. Um, so with where you're at, do you still feel like that competitive mind is there or do you feel like things are a little bit different now and your perspective's different? It's, my perspective has definitely changed. Um, there's definitely like a spiritual connection for everybody with with the mindset that you get in to compete and looking back on my life and on my career and stuff i've i've had a lot of uh i don't know flashbacks and 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 memories and uh thoughts about how different my mindset is had a lot of sadness this year um not around the people who passed away but um that too but uh more around you know as you come to the end of a cycle of something in your life um it's it's i guess equally exciting and sad and it's been such a big part of my life and i don't know when i honestly don't know when i'm going to retire i'm going to just announce it the day it happens i think but I, I feel that an impending thing and uh so i've everywhere i go and either the people I get to see again or I miss along the way that I wanted to see, it all kind of dredges up all this uh, emotion and stuff. And uh, so it's been, a f it's been quite a good thing. I think I'm maturing. <laughs> legacy, what, do you, what would you like your Kelly Slater's legacy to be? I mean, would it be the cherry on the top going to the Olympics or would it need to be winning at the Olympics to sort of? No, no, it doesn't need to be that. I, look, I've done enough. I'm pretty happy. If I'm not happy with what I've done, I got a serious mental issue. I mean, maybe I have a serious mental issue because I've done all that. Maybe that's the, like a, a symbol of it or something. But, you know, my legacy, I, I don't want my legacy to be uh, dependent on, on my career, to be honest. I'd like to sort of be done with it and uh, just have life be good. That's the most important thing, I think, in the end. A lot of people get asked why, what your motivation is, what drives you, that kind of thing. Um, but more than that, I want to know, like, what is your why? What is Kelly Slater's purpose? Do you know what your purpose is? 
Well, I, I don't think anyone's purpose is really too different from anyone else's purpose, to be honest. I think we're all here to kind of get along, be good to other people, look after people, and, and be the best version of ourselves. Um, that's pretty universal. Uh, you know, but each person has some sort of special thing about them. Mine's been surfing, and uh, I think... I, I do psychoanalyze myself, and uh, others have. I, I go back and look at, like, why did I become this? How did I become this? And and do all these things. And um, I think I was just in a... Everyone's born into a certain dynamic with their parents, with their siblings if they have them. And we all react to our surroundings for whatever reason. You know, mine are... On paper, it's pretty simple. But, you know, my, my parents had a very struggling... Uh, relationship we didn't have much money um, we were, lived pretty humble means but we basically lived hand to mouth my mom was like spending her last dollar in the paycheck every week just to get us by we lost our house that we lived in when we were kids so we you know we couldn't afford my mom said we were down to two more month pay on our on our mortgage and she couldn't afford it and couldn't find someone to borrow the money for so we had to sell the house it just uh, you know and then my, I had an older brother who really pushed me and we were really competitive but um as we got older, you know, it was pretty clear that he didn't quite have that talent to, to make it on the world level. And uh, I think that competitive nature and that probably the chip on my shoulder, or I don't even know if you call it that. I just, I, I don't know if I had a chip. I, I mean, I've always, I think I've always been pretty nice to people. So not in that way, but just living in a small town that even in the uh, world of American amateur surfing, East Coasters would just like look down upon, you know, like they're not as good as West Coast guys and West Coast aren't as good as Hawaii You know, Hawaii and Australia had this, who's the best surfers. And, and I think that's why you see so many good Brazilians now because they've always been thought of as like a, they're a second thought. They're not right uh, as the primary guys. And now all of a sudden you're going, whoa, the, you know, three of the best five guys in the world are, are Brazilian. They've won a few world titles now. Um, no one sort of saw that coming. I think the Americans and uh, maybe even more so the Australians got a little too complacent and maybe cocky about the position we've had. But as a kid growing up, becoming a teenager, turning pro, and then watching all the pros that were my heroes and seeing that like on a personal level, maybe I didn't uh, respect them as much as I thought I did just because they were like this enigma to me. And then I meet them and they all kind of party and, you know, do stuff I didn't approve of. And and then uh, I, it, uh, this whole chain of events happened in my life that drove me. And then I had a, re- a, a relationship. You know, my first love kind of fell apart. This is all full psychoanalysis myself. But that fell apart. And, I, you know, that, that, the way to fill that, uh, that, that hole in my heart was to just win. And all of that just went in, into the early, mid-'90s. And, and uh, nothing could stop me. You know, I just had this drive that... Um, almost feels unfamiliar to me now uh, because I just don't feel that same way. You know, I want to surf for the pure joy of loving surfing now, but I don't have that uh, same inward need to win so that I feel good, you know. But I do feel bad when I lose. (laughs) I still feel that, but that's... I I feel like each each person who becomes... uh, Each person who does something that somebody hasn't done, I think they went through something in their life that that causes drive that you you can't sort of just formulate it just this weird recipe comes together and 
And uh, that's how it felt for me. Pound for pound, this is one of the most powerful surfers we've ever seen, if not the most. Kelly Slater is fired up. Everyone wants to know the key to your longevity, but it sounds like part of that was having managing that drive, right? Is that is that true? Like, what was? Uh, I mean, there was surely no secret ingredient. You didn't just magically wake up and become a living world champion. I, I did this funny sort of equation when I was a kid. I used to. When I'd compete against somebody, I'd think, oh, who have they competed against and who did they beat? And if they beat that person and I beat them, I can beat that person. And I started, it helped me build my confidence. And then when I turned pro, I remember thinking like, okay, well, you know, I won a heat against so-and-so and he beat the world champion. So like I could beat the world champion. If I can beat the world champion, I can become the world champion. And then I got on the tour and uh, um, Sort of right away, I was beating a lot of world champions. And my first year, my first full year on the tour, I won the world title. And I felt like I could. I didn't feel like the level was above me. I didn't feel like the level was unachievable. I, th I actually, I actually felt, thought the level wasn't very good. I actually looked at it and went, you know, these guys suck. Like, you need, surfing should be way above this. And that was the mindset that I had to have um, in order to be successful the way I wanted to be. I. I sort of won everything as a kid, and I just, when I turned pro, I expected to do the same. And So I won the world title in 92. I almost fell off the tour in 93 with three events, four events to go. I was in 28th place, and uh, I got a first and two seconds in the last, three, in the last four events and a, maybe a fifth. I think I went like second, first, fifth, second to finish the year, and I tied for fifth place when it all was said and done. And then the next year I was like, okay, that's not going to happen again. And uh, I won both the qualifying series and the world tour that year in 94. I surfed everything. I just said, I'm just going to win everything I could possibly win. And, uh, um, and I don't know if anyone's done that since. I don't think anyone has won the QS and the, the CT. But I just went on a full travel mission. I just went everywhere, surfed everything. And, and um, really, was like, I really loved competing. I really loved winning. Um, it, did, it felt great. And you make money, you know, and, and it, also that's another thing that sort of comes into the equation because when, when I was 21 years old, um, uh, you know, I, I was engaged. I was uh, doing really well, making money, winning, blah, blah. And then the next year I, was, I found out I was totally broke and in debt, actually. And then my relationship fell apart and I almost fell off the tour that year. And so I just went, okay, I'm going to get this thing together and <clears throat> and uh, see how far I can go with it. And so I, I had to, that was where I went five years in a row winning world titles. Um, but there, it, I felt like there was something literally like otherworldly that I, I couldn't have predicted would have happened that made that all um, gel uh, in the right way. I guess that's what they say, like everything happens for a reason kind of thing, right? Um, don't take this the wrong way, but there are so many people around the world who admire you and love you and respect you and want to wake up in the morning and be you. Do you wake up in the morning and go, open your eyes and be like, yeah, it's great being Kelly Slater? Oh, I mean, look, I feel that sometimes, but I honestly sometimes wake up and, and don't like that position at all. You know, I, I sometimes wake up and feel totally alone in this world, which probably sounds strange to people, but I think it happens to people who 
who um, have had a, a great deal of success in their lives. You know, I've heard that that happens to other people. Um, I don't know really what it's like for anyone else, but like I sometimes feel just like super alone and like people don't quite relate to uh, even my brother. You know, I've, I've had this thing with my older brother where he just has for a long time thought everything was just great for Kelly. And he doesn't realize that I have my own challenges and things that are really tough for me to express or communicate or deal with or um, or resolve and uh, or understand, you know. And um, so, you know, sometimes even somebody in your family doesn't understand that. So, you know, how can somebody who's seen you in a magazine, they have no idea what your life's like, you know, <laughs> so. I was going to say, a lot of it comes down to trust, though, right? Not necessarily, not necessarily with your brother, but with other people. Like, yeah. I can imagine that, and I've talked to tennis players about this before, like the, um, the, the woman in particular finding it really difficult because you, you're alone, and anyone who you talk to is like, hey, Kelly, what's up? Because they want something yeah. from you, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, I, I can imagine it's hard to, like, work out the genuine people. Yeah, maybe. People I think you feel the genuine people. I think that becomes pretty easy to see after a while, you know. And, it, and, and time dictates that, you know. Like, I have a friend who used to travel with me on tour, and, and he and I just, we hit it off when we met. We met in, like, 2003. He traveled with me on tour for about three years, and he has it now for about 10 years or longer, maybe 12 or 13 years he stopped traveling with me. But, um, you know, when I, I might not talk to him for six or eight months, but nothing changes when I see him, you know. But he's living in L.A., and got a job and a kid and he's been through a marriage and divorce since I since we were traveling together but you know you just there's people you meet along the way and just know you'll be friends for life and you don't have to sort of question it but depends yeah it's I don't think it's super hard to figure out why people want to be around you yeah, so needy friends are the worst, I find. Needy like, friends suck. The ones who, like, haven't friends. spoken to you in ages, and they're like, I won't need to hear from you. I'm like, it's fine. Like, you know, when we're together, we're together. Energy vampires. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you call them. <laughs> Something like that. I think that's what people refer to them as. Yeah, that's tough. But, you know, they're at the end of the day, they're probably just people who need some help themselves. Scratch in here. Slater, big airdrop for Kelly Slater. Coming around the corner, stalling for the barrel. Pulls into the barrel, disappears from view. Can he find the exit? And he does. Kelly spends a lot of time in nature and is a keen environmentalist as well. So it might be a surprise to learn that actually he doesn't hate phones. In fact, he actually thinks they're pretty good. It was a natural evolution of technology, and technology is an extension of humans and, and knowledge. And it's, it's more around that. I think it's just around the systems we've created as people. My, my friends and I were talking about the financial and money systems around the world and um, how it's, it, they're kind of rigged for rich people. And, <laughs> and they're relatively unfair. Um, uh, and, and that ties into the legal system as well and political systems as well, and, and uh, I think there's a lot of sort of unhealthy foundational stuff in society. And you know, if you're just living out in the woods, like if you're, if you're in a tribe in the Amazon, things are cut and dry, mm -hmm. you know? You know what you're supposed to eat, you know who you're supposed to marry, you know what you're gonna do in your life, and when you have all these different things and you, you know, maybe you don't have good guidance and the people who are guiding you are distracted, but I mean, it's just, we're, we're overwhelmed by all the access to so much.
you're talking about nature and you're talking about people not going out and doing these things. There are a lot of people who actually watch you and, and you know this, are so inspired by you. How do, I mean, does it, do you feel that effect? Do you feel that people genuinely get enjoyment and pleasure and happiness out of watching you essentially just be you and do what you yeah, love? I know they do because they tell me. I mean, people, tell, people express that to me a lot, you know. I got a lot of friends who are at home in a job and they like surfing, but they don't get to do it enough and they don't get to ever travel. And, you know, there's a, there's a way of living vicariously through a friend who's doing something. So on that level, I, I get it and understand. Um, I don't see it as like a pressure or anything, you know. It's like I'm just out to live my life. But I, I've always been mindful. My mom really beat it into me as a kid, just be mindful to... Um, you know, to, to be a good influence if people look up to you or um, want to listen to what you say. I've always been pretty hypersensitive to trying to put out a good message. And, um, you know, it's a tough thing because all people screw up in their lives. All people mess up and make mistakes. And so, you know, sometimes even the thing you say isn't necessarily what you've done or the way you're living, but you're trying to put that message out, you know, and deal with your own things in not a public way, in a private way. So those are tricky situations for people you know I watch that a lot from, from the side like people who have addiction problems or are very famous and I, I see that and I'm like man you got to feel for those people like Tiger Woods the pinnacle of it all you know I mean everyone's got a everyone's got a judgment on that guy and you know and rightfully so in a lot of ways but at the same time no one's ever been there no one could no one's got no one there's very few people who've been in that situation in Tiger's situation and, and if you don't have a real clear directive and bigger picture of everything you're doing, it's easy to get sidetracked into all these weird little things that seem inviting. And then, then it blows up in your face publicly and it's real embarrassing, <laughs> you know? I'm not, and I'm not defending the guy. I'm just saying, you know, who's, who, what percentage of people actually could somehow see the road that, that he got led upon You've been doing this for what? Uh, I'm going to throw a number. Th How many years have you been professional? 30? Uh, this will be, yeah. I'm, I turned professional at 18. I'm 47. So by the time I turn th 48, I'll be 30 years pro. Yeah, next summer. I'm, I'm, I'm 29 years as a pro in a couple months right now. I have to throw a party for that, surely. Yeah. Can't retire before 30 years. <laughs> All right, I'll note that down. Well, well, funny enough, the Olympics is 30 years to the month that I turn pro. So. Is that a sign? Maybe. Could be. You only know when you look back later on. Round one of the main event. Here's Kelly Slater going back door, pulling in, and he will come out. Oh The Olympics loom large in any sportsman's mind, but especially Kelly's. And at the moment, it's a straight shootout between him and John John Florence for a place on the US team for Tokyo 2020. Either way, the Olympics are going ahead and they're not expected to have huge waves. People at one time thought that Kelly would export his incredible artificial wave technology to Japan, giving surfers a guaranteed so-called perfect wave. The wave machine isn't going, and the person who stays behind with it, well, by mid-December, will know. I'd like to have that spot, but if John gets it, he deserves it. 
and um, I'll be happy for him, you know. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my best to, to take that position for myself. Are you are you gutted? Are you disappointed that it is gonna be at the beach? Do you think it would be a better event if it was in a in a wave pool? I think most people would think my opinion's biased because I created a wave pool. Um, I I feel pretty strongly that we should have had a wave pool option, and it didn't have to be the technology we created. It could be any technology that is viable for to be competitive and, and really show all we could do on a wave. It seems so natural to me. I'm thinking, okay, we're going to Japan. They're a techno they've always been a technologically advanced society. The idea that you could have a, a, a man-made wave of high quality to really show and display and be proud of, you know, you have this in your country, that kind of thing. I was thinking it's a no-brainer. Like, this, this will probably happen. And at, at least for like a backup, at least you say, okay, if the ocean's not delivering, bang, we're straight to the wave pool. We can start and run at any time we need to. We can, we can exactly keep it in schedule. And um, that's what we're going to have trouble with in the ocean. I think, I think it's inevitable that, that, you know, that's what we've signed up for now. And I don't know where that decision was made. I don't, I don't know if it was just the JOC or the IOC or um, if there was other, other people within that conversation. I, I really don't know. But I, I thought it was unfortunate because I thought it, to bring a new sport in and use a technology that shows that I thought would have been really cool. Do you think it's still going to be exciting? It's still going to be like, is it something like you genuinely think it's still something that's going to be really cool? Surfing at the Olympics? I don't know. Up? I don't know. Is the, future of, is, is the future of surfing at the Olympics bright? I mean, imagine if we go to Tahiti in Paris for Paris 2024. That'd be amazing. Yeah, if we went to Tahiti. But then what, is, what are all the surfers going to do? Go join the team in Paris, fly all the way over, compete, and go back for the closing games, and for the closing ceremonies? It's like you would feel so far removed from the Olympic Games. Mm. It would be a little funny. I mean, I, I personally think that it should be, there should be a, a wave pool in France, and there should also be Hasegor maybe mobile between there but those but each of those Hasegor, Cabotone and Biarritz they all sort of, and Anglet they all fight amongst each other like who has the rights to contest and all stuff anyways so there's all these like local politics that you'd have trouble with but I just I think there should be at, at any foreseeable place there should be wave pool technology ahead of us I, I, are we going back to LA in 2020 20 something yeah 26 28 28 so I mean the natural one there would be lower trestles and I think you'd be insured waves there. Um, if for some reason it's just a horrible summer, you go up to Lemoore and use the pool, or if there's another one somewhere in Palm Springs or wherever. Superhuman surfing by the GOAT, the greatest of all time, Kelly Slater. Is there anything that you wish you had have done earlier, like back earlier on in your career? Is there anything you regret because, you know, stretching more or Baywatch or I don't know, is there anything that you kind of look back on and go, I wish I'd done that more or maybe, you know? Uh, when I first injured my hip, I, I injured my hip when I was 19 uh, in, a, in, a, in a wipeout on a wave and I tore my labrum and it went undiagnosed. I didn't even go have it looked at. and. Um, I tore it again multiple times over the next eight or ten years. <clears throat> that was a, that was a, uh, that's an injury that's really hindered me. I think it hurt my back a lot too, and caused me to not want to. Um, it, it, it's just one of those injuries that 
I was in a lot of pain for a long time and kind of in denial of it and just surfed through it and let the adrenaline take over. Um, I wish I, 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 when I was about 17, 18, I got into doing yoga quite a bit. And then in my mid twenties, I was, I got really into it when I was around 26 years old, sort of back into it because I didn't do it much for a few years. And, um, I wish from that point on, I had stuck with it, like sort of do a little bit every day. I mean, I've been doing some Pilates, um, I've been doing sort of just enough stretching to get by. And I get a lot of body work. That probably helps me. Um, when I was young, I, I didn't get much body work at all. You mean like physio and chiro? Physio, chiro, yeah. massage. You know, like I do sometimes like five-hour time massages. I got a woman who just breaks all the scar tissue in my body apart. I mean, I've, I think she, one time she worked with me for six or seven hours in one day. Um, and that's almost, that's like, it's sort of like, I don't know, poor man's version of yoga, you know? It's like you're not quite putting in the effort, but if you take a hot bath after and you do some stretching, everything just is releasing and, and, and uh, letting go. But um, I, I didn't really get into my diet until I was sort of like mid-20s, 23, 24. And I wish, I wish looking back, I, I, wish my, I wish my mom was a hippie, <laughs> basically. I didn't learn about eating good food until I was in my 20s. You know, I grew up on sugar just sugar and chips and all that stuff and it created a lot of habits I wish I didn't sort of have you know the ice cream and the chips and all that stuff but um, that's important I mean I eat I eat a pretty good diet nowadays a lot more fruit and and vegetables than I did growing up and <clears throat> a lot cleaner I mean you know luckily I have money I can eat well that that's like that's the one place I really spend my money is on food um, but I don't eat a lot I don't overeat and um, yeah, I th I think there's probably no one who looks back and wishes they, they there was nothing they changed. You know, you, you change things, but we all have to go through that to learn the lesson. And and you know, I think I, I think just having awareness around all the aspects of your life is the important thing. So just being more aware. Sure, I mean there was a time when I was like, why the f did I do Baywatch? You know, it was driving me nuts. But it actually it probably drove me um, competitively to be better because I got a lot of crap for it, you know? And, and um, it was hard for me to just own it and be like, I did it, deal with it, you know? Don't be jealous or whatever, you know? And uh, instead I, I let it, I sort of became the victim of like getting made fun of instead of just like owning and going, yeah, I did that and it was awesome and, you know? But uh, I didn't love it and so it was hard for me. I was, I was sort of embarrassed about it. But it drove me um, in my competitive uh, aspects to, to uh, you know, hey, I, I would just think in my head, this guy's like thinking about Baywatch. Like he wants to make fun of me or something. I'm going to smash him in a heat, you know? I, would, I used it as fuel for years. And um, even if it wasn't true, because I, I just was so sensitive to it. But I literally just, at this point, I look back, I'm like, that's hilarious that I actually, I can't believe. I would, if, I had, if I saw someone on tour doing that right now, it would be so crazy to think, like on a show that, that is that big. But I was, I don't know. It's funny looking back that I was on there. I know I probably kept you for way too long, um, cool. but I really appreciate your time. All right, I really do. Thank you. Olympic Channel Podcast. Big big thanks to Ashley Tullock and to Kelly Slater. You can follow Ash on Twitter as Ash underscore Tullock. 
Kelly is just Kelly Slater on Instagram. We are at Olympic Channel across all socials, and I am at Eddie Knowles with an I and E on all socials too. If you like this episode, then really you simply must check out our interview with another surfer, Owen Wright. He talked to us about his struggles with injury, especially concussion. What was the severity of your health? Like, how far did you have to go to get back to? Well, to where you are now. Yeah, and I mean, some of these questions are ones I find hard to answer because I don't have all the memories for those. Right. And so it's kind of like what, what I've heard and what and what I, what people tell me and things like that. So I find it hard to go, or like relate to what I'm saying because it's like, well, yeah, it was bad. I think you know, and uh, but I, you know, I, I had to learn to surf again um, and regain all those functions um, I think I struggled with a lot of things Olympic, Olympic Channel, Channel podcast. podcast big love to you if you've already given us a five star review on the app if not no time like the present go and do it now and while you're there write a little inspirational quote that you found in the podcast so that people can find us more easily that is it for now though see you very soon Think, Think like an Olympian. Olympian.